0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void are prohibited by law. 18+ Terms and conditions apply. listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. This is our 10-minute mystery edition, a little slice of intrigue in the middle of your week. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with me is our storyteller and journalist, Paula slice. Hi, everyone. Well, for the month of May, Ohio Mysteries is being sponsored by WOW. That's the wholesale outlet warehouse at 144 North Canton Road in Akron, selling name-brand clothing, toys, furniture, and more, usually at least 50% off retail prices. Now, why wow was doing something pretty creative right now for folks who don't want to leave home every Thursday at 6. PM owner Brian early is doing an interactive live streaming sales event like those cable shopping network programs right now. They are mostly focused on women's health and beauty, including hair care and appliances, Razors, bath salts, cosmetics, ladies' apparel—you name it. So here's what you do: Thursday at six p.m. Grab whatever device connects you to the internet. Go to Jatango.com. That's J-A-T-A-N-G-O.com. Click on the Wow window and get started chopping. All right, Steve, ready for a new mystery? Well, let's let's hear it. Well, this one has been on my radar for so long. I think in part because. Of this idea that you could just leave your house for a run of the mill errand, your four year old daughter in tow, you walk into a store, and that's it. Your lives are ended. That's what happened in East Liverpool in 1973, a horrific triple homicide for which a killer still walks free. East Liverpool was once a bustling river town and a thriving pottery center. In the 1970s, the population was upwards of 25,000 people. The kind of close-knit hometown that had parades and summer festivals, and most houses had front porches that were well-used throughout the summer. Now, the city has declined quite dramatically the past half century. The population has dwindled to just over 10,000, and the police force is half the size of when these killings took place. But truthfully, at 25,000 or 10,000, the murder of three residents is a very big deal for a small town. And the people in East Liverpool have never forgotten this one. It happened on July 30, 1973. It was a sultry summer day. And Frances Dugan, a nurse from Chicago visiting the area, decided to stroll downtown East Liverpool in search of antiques. It was just around 1 p.m. when she spotted a brick store at 759 Dresden Avenue. A sign stretched across the two large front windows, advertising it as National Furniture, although it actually only said National Fern because part of the sign had fallen and was never replaced. It was an old ramshackle used furniture shop. The storefront windows, a rat's nest of junk. The nurse stepped inside, hoping to find some buried treasure, and found a whole lot more than she bargained for. She discovered the blood-covered bodies of an elderly man, a young woman, and a small child. She ran from the store, shouting for help. Call the police. Something terrible has happened. The police station was just a couple of blocks away, and they arrived in a heartbeat. It didn't take long to identify the dead. They first found a young mother, 22-year-old Linda Morris, who was four months pregnant with her second child. She was lying in a narrow, cluttered aisle that led to the office at the rear of the store. She was lying on a mattress that had fallen from a leaning position, her head covered in blood. She had been beaten with the claw end of a hammer. Not far from her was her four-year-old daughter, Angela, also beaten. Angela had a pulse and was whisked away to the hospital. Beyond Linda, near the steps that went to a basement, police found a third body. It was the store owner, Earl Tweed. Mr. Tweed was 75 years old, He had come to East Liverpool from Steubenville as a young man and had been operating the furniture store since 1912. He had been beaten with a hammer and stabbed 27 times in the chest with carpet shears. Detectives were able to narrow down the time the murders were committed. A man named Charles Inman, who did part-time work for Mr. Tweed, was at the store and left at 1130 a.m. The nurse who found the bodies entered the store at 1 p.m. It appears Mr. Tweed was attacked as he prepared to eat lunch. Police found slices of bread with bologna on a chair next to the cluttered roll-top desk in his office. Most folks in town knew Mr. Tweed. He had a wife, Marie, and a daughter, Donna. He'd been a member of First United Methodist Church for 37 years, belonged to its choir and was a member of the Men's Bible Study Group. He was also a member of the Eagles Lodge, the Moose Lodge, and the local Masons. Linda Morris was a new transplant to East Liverpool. She was a native of Alliance, Ohio, but more recently, she and her husband, Lou, had been living in the Poconos area of Pennsylvania. They moved to East Liverpool, where Lou landed a job as a street department employee just a few months earlier, but the place they had was too small and they were looking for a little more space. Linda Morris was at the store because she had gone to see Mr. Tweed about one of eight or nine rental properties he owned in town. After the bodies were discovered, Lou Morris was working at a job site not far from the store when he saw his boss and a police officer pull up in a cruiser and look his way. He had a stinking feeling, and his worst fears were confirmed. He was taken to City Hospital to be with his little girl, but Angela died within the hour. Linda's mom, Letty Morris, was shopping downtown when she heard someone had been murdered at the furniture shop. She knew her daughter was supposed to visit Mr. Tweed and ran to the store. Police described for her the clothes the young woman inside was wearing a blue T-shirt, and checked pants. Letty recognized the description of her daughter and broke down on the sidewalk. Later that afternoon, police received a call from someone who had found papers strewn on some outdoor steps that led up through a woodsy patch to West 9th Avenue. Officers responded and found documents from the store, along with Mr. Tweed's empty wallet. Police also found a bloody hammer and the carpet shears. Those sources differed on where these were found. One source placed them in a store. Another source said they were found in a nearby trash can. After the murders, several witnesses came forward to say they had seen a man running from the scene. As a matter of fact, the killer had apparently bumped into a young boy. As he was leaving the store, he grabbed the boy and demanded to know where he lived. The boy was too frightened to answer. The man ordered him again to tell him, this time adding, or I'll kill you. But the youth twisted out of his arms and ran away. That boy sat with a forensic artist who drew a sketch of a ginger-haired man. Police believed Linda and her little girl probably walked into the store and interrupted a robbery in progress. Maybe Mr. Tweed was already dead, and they saw the killer standing over him. Detectives agreed none of the three were in any condition to fight off a panicked adult male intent on murder. Mr. Tweed was 75 years old, little Angela was four, and Linda, she was just five foot tall. 110 pounds at the most. A petite woman, described by her husband as a friendly, old-fashioned country girl. Police conducted hundreds of interviews. A reward was offered. A tip led detectives to another Ohio City to quiz a suspect that was charged in another case. Someone who fit the description of the man who had run from the store that day. But it didn't pan out. Agents with the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation came in to help collecting and processing more than 40 pieces of evidence. The Columbiana County Sheriff contributed manpower. They found bloody fingerprints on a cabinet in the store, which have repeatedly been submitted to the National Automated Fingerprint Identification System. And just in the past decade, they also submitted blood samples from the scene to the FBI's nationwide combined DNA index system. They call that codex for short, in the hopes of finding a match. Now, the detectives who worked that case almost 50 years ago, they're all dead. But East Liverpool police say the case is still open. They even still occasionally get phone calls about it. A decade ago, an amateur filmmaker named David Dunlap did a documentary on the case called 759 Dresden. The film featured archival footage and interviews, including with Mr. Tweed's daughter and Linda Morris's husband. After losing his family, Lou Morris eventually remarried and had five children with his second wife. He even became a police officer serving in michigan for 27 years that experience made him realize how unprepared east liverpool police were for such a shocking crime he said authorities never questioned him or any relatives in the case which should have been standard and he remembered how people were allowed to walk all over the crime scene before it had been processed It still amazes people that on a busy summer afternoon with many people walking the streets and lots of folks hanging out in their yards and on their porches, that a killer was able to take three lives and running, covered in blood, make his escape on foot. The fact that he disappeared so easily made police believe he was from the area, maybe lived nearby. Surely if it was something passing through town, they would have picked a gas station to rob or something more obvious that would have cash on hand, not the nondescript junk store. Then again, if the killer lived in town, how could his identity not have leaked out in the past half century? How does someone keep that secret for so long right under the noses of those who are searching for him? For that reason, possibly some have theorized the killer died himself not too long after. That would certainly have helped him keep a secret. Mr. Tweed's daughter spoke for that documentary and said she remembered her father as a generous businessman who doted on her, helped people who needed it, and always wore a flower in the buttonhole of his suit. I also found the grave marker for Linda Morris and her daughter Angela, There was a third heart on the tombstone, remembering her unborn child as an angel we never met. That's all I got for you, Steve. You know, uh, I was thinking that it was probably somebody local, but it does make sense. They would definitely be kind of recognized. Yeah, they were, you know, I've heard them musing whether this was somebody who might have known he had a cash box or where it would be or you know, why it might have been worth their time to go in there and try to get it. But that was... I'm surprised surprised the blood hasn't come back. Usually people who do this are repeat offenders and probably in jail at some point. Well, the fact that they still had blood, even though they submitted it and didn't get anything, I hope that means there's still some future possibility that it could be submitted for... Maybe one of those familial DNA efforts down the road. I mean, I know that if they think there's a possibility that could happen, you know, that they would give that a try. Because they were really intent on doing it, on figuring this one out. That's it for our midweek 10-minute mystery. We'll see you here Sunday for our next regular full sized Ohio mystery episode. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week, and may all of your mysteries have happy endings.